becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs. Glimmer, glimmer, the ship's in the sea. Should we kick this thing off? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the shores. Yes, the shores of ignorance. We are here. This is Matt. This is Michael. I hope you all are doing well out there. We continue in these crazy times, don't we? Yes. And uh, it just seems to be more uh, confusing as we go. (laughs) It really does. Here in Texas, um, we've got very conflicting ideas of what we're doing at the moment. It seems <laughs> <laughs> very true. Um, yeah. Governor Abbott is trying to reopen the state and at least in Austin where we are, the, the language we're getting from our local authorities is not that. And it's hard yeah. to tell what exactly we are, we are doing at the moment. Yeah, because we're supposed to be shelter in place till May 8th, but then the governors changed that to May 1st, but the language is still as if we're still under... Right. Uh, it's hard to tell yeah. what the official position is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so confusing. We are still choosing to podcast remotely for, yeah. for our part. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of questions. One of... Uh, yeah, well, just a lot of questions around uh, what what comes next. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about filming. I got these cameras for us to do the filming again. Yeah, we were going to try that today because we were thinking today might be the time, but it apparently is not. Yeah. Nope. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, that's that's the the corona update as far as i'm concerned (laughs) i know we're just gonna like pause right there we're just like and my head's spinning thank you very much i know right (laughs) how do we come back to a different space we we ended the last episode wanting to talk about the the metaphor of fertile soil oh that's right yeah that neurosis i think too is another topic we wanted to come back to right well i like the fertile soil idea i if i were to to uh like uh, as far as like if i were to say things that are going into me right now it's it's sort of the uh like have no root i can't get i can't get a grasp on things this week you know which Mm -hmm. has been uh which has been hard yeah i've been feeling these fluctuations in motivation that i think are coming from the stagnation of stay at home and some days i wake up and i just like I feel so motivated. I start writing down to do lists. I start thinking about all the things that I want to engage in. And other days I wake up and I just have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't execute on anything. I can't seem to pull my thoughts together. Today is one of those days for me, Mm -hmm. which is frustrating. Um, which just makes me think a a lot about the ideas of structure that we've talked through really, I think since we started this, uh, Mm. remote podcasting and Corona themed episodes, um, and just how, how powerfully orienting and stabilizing structure is. Yeah. Especially this weekend, I was telling you that like, I felt like I had so many cool thoughts and things I was kind of playing with and uh, working through. Mm -hmm. And then you and I were talking about, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Lex Chris or Harry. Oh, Harry Cliff. Harry Cliff. 
for listening to a, a podcast uh, Lex uh, Friedman did with him. And uh, uh, he's just kind of blowing our minds with uh, different fields and quantum fields. And <laughs> yeah, he's a really interesting guy out. too. He's so, he's so uh, he's, he's able to communicate complex ideas so clearly and simply. Yeah. Um, but so Harry Cliff is a particle physicist working at CERN on the Large Hadron Collider. Um, and they talk about that at length, which is really cool because I've never fully understood sort of how that works. And not that I do fully understand it now, but it was, uh, mm. it was enlightening. It's almost science fiction. You know, it's like they're like colliding these particles together. And it was like, it was happening a lot more than I thought it was. I thought like they just like fired up and bam, they did it once. And then it takes a week to, to like regenerate. Right. But it's like, no, there's like, thou- like, I don't know. I can't even say what now mean, but many of them are happening every single day. I, I think it's more like every second, every second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this thing's yeah. on and going, uh-huh. um, which is, which is wild. The, maybe a couple of interesting points there that, that bring some context to, to how much of a sort of technological marvel the large Hadron collider is, um, Basically, in order to improve upon it, they were saying with current technology <laughs> for a for a to make any gains on it, you would have to make it larger, but not just a little bit larger, like larger to the scale of our galaxy. Yeah, I think that was when he was talking about gravity, like to be able to to get to the gravity field. Mm. Was it? Was that maybe? It? Maybe. Yeah, because the magnets, in order that they needed to make the electrons go around or the the particles to go around had to be so you know i I think it's with their current with the current uh technology they have it would have to be as big as the galaxy our galaxy right because we don't have (laughs) magnets strong enough Uh, uh i just love it when people talk about things that i feel like i really understood what they said and then i realized that they just really explained it well and i have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's something that's really like i don't know it's like i feel like a kid like you know you see your dad like shoot a basketball at, at a 10 foot goal and you're like whoa right and you're like you can barely get a like a 6 foot goal you know <laughs> yeah yeah the the two uh there's two points that he made that were really fascinating to me one um one being that so so the sort of popular idea of what the large, the LHC large Hadron collider is for was to, or at least one of its big accomplishments is it discovered the Higgs boson, which is a, uh, particle. Um, but he explained that basically the common conception of particles as things is pretty misleading hmm. that a particle, what we think of as a particle is more like a ripple within a field yeah. Um, which bring, which keeps, this has been a recurring theme over the last month or so, or maybe longer, um, that our idea of things in general is pretty misleading. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview with uh, Ian McGilchrist, the, the, the guy we've mentioned several times that wrote The Master and His Emissary, and he's apparently working now, I haven't looked to, to see if it's out or not, but he's working on a book called There Are No Things. Mm, and, yeah. and the interviewer said, well, then what are there? And he said, there, it's more like there are processes and patterns, mm. but there really aren't things that are yeah. finite and describable 
fully at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe there are at a given time, but because time is entered into the equation, everything moves, everything changes. Um, so this idea that thinking about particles, which is what we've grown up being taught, that you have these atoms, which can be broken down into electrons and uh, neutrons, um, that we think of those as like bits, uh, like little, little tiny things. And they're yeah, not, they're much more <laughs> accurately described as fluctuations in a field. Mm-hmm. But so the, the Higgs boson that was discovered uh, exists in this Higgs field. And that the Higgs field, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, he described like three fundamental fields, one being uh, the electromagnetic field, another being, uh, I forgot what they are now. Yeah, weak and strong. Weak and strong force yeah. uh, are fields. Yeah. And then gravi- gravity. The gravitational is mm-hmm. a field. But the Higgs field apparently, so like, has this sort of background noise style of like value. Like the field has a measurable value. And that value appears to be tuned incredibly precisely. And <laughs> you should, every, our listeners should just go listen to the podcast. I'm yeah, trying no, to get to the point. I'm just going to repeat it all. It's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm loving hearing it. So just go ahead. It's like, who cares? <laughs> well, so the Higgs field is what apparently gives particles mass. And so if the Higgs field was not tuned to the exact value that it has, things would not have enough mass to hold together. So the universe would just like explode into entropy and chaos. But if it had a higher value, things would have too much mass to the, to the extent apparently that like even an electron would have so much mass that it would spontaneously become a black hole. (laughs) So like, and then the response to that is, okay, so this field has this incredibly precise value that's holding everything that we can observe together. And Mm -hmm. if it was to change slightly, it would be ultimate universal chaos (laughs) in destruction. Uh And so the response is like, okay, so either it was set at that value, like it was Mm -hmm. designed that way or the mini universes idea that there are infinite universes and we just happen to be in the one with the randomly set value of, you know, the randomly arrived at value for this Higgs field. Um, but that was really interesting because I think we find that in nature so often, like, Mm. you know, even the idea that the earth exists at the exact distance from the sun that it does. And if it didn't, there wouldn't, Mm. you know, if we were any closer or further away, there would be no life. The number of things that we observe that have to be the way that they are in order, in order for life to, to exist is amazing. Yeah. So what's up with that? I know. It's like, what do you do with that? It's, it's, I I like to play these games where, uh, so I take a concept like that and then I try to adjust my perspective and some things are just so hard to do that with, you know, like if when I read a philosopher or read somebody or, uh, you know, Ian McGilchrist, you know, I start thinking in left and right brain, you know, type of, I try to view the world and, and obviously I'm not doing them as a, uh, you know, I'm kind of doing them a little bit of a disservice, but, uh, but it's just interesting to kind of try to, to perspective, to look at the world through that way. Yeah. And then when I started thinking about the way that whenever I was listening to Harry describe that, it just blows my mind 
just to think of like all these fields and that there's not these little, like, I think as us growing up in the eighties and nineties, we, we have this, these old sand particles that make up protons and neutrons, you know, mm-hmm. and electrons. And that there's, there's, there is not, there's not these little sand particles. It's just these forces. And I remember that one thing, it's, this is such a kindergarten thing, but like, uh, you know, when you're, when you touch your two fingers together, it's like your fingers don't actually touch. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, but it's the, the forces of them, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a force that's, that's actually touching. It's not your actual, uh, fingers. And it's just like, you know, it's like almost like a magnet, you know, it's like, you don't actually like matter doesn't t- touch matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. It just, it's just kind of fun. It's such like, a, I feel like such a kid whenever I, whenever I, but yeah, uh, it's a fun little game to play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to touch my fingers together right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that I was pondering after listening to that interview was, um, he was describing the amount of data that could be collected from the Large Hadron Collider <clears throat> is so massive that he said something like, if we were to collect all the data that we could, it would fill up every computer's hard drive in a matter of like a day. Mm-hmm. So like the first thing that they have to do is build mechanisms to block data so that they are only capturing enough data where it's manageable to even look at. Mm. And then they've got a massive data set and they've got to use machine learning and artificial intelligence and all kinds of other things to try to whittle that down into a data set which is actually digestible. And I just thought, well, that's really interesting. Step one of science is ignore a massive amount of information. Step two is to intelligently, hopefully, uh, parse that into something which is manageable. Mm. And then step three is to study but step one is to ignore. And that blew my mind for, yeah. an, for a number of reasons. Because, you know, I think, first of all, we tend to think about science as this <clears throat> truth-finding mechanism. And how can it be that a truth-finding mechanism's first order of business is to throw out a large, if not majority, of the information it has available to it? Yeah. And that seems like a problem that, you know, well, it's not as if we do it maliciously or neglectfully. Mm-hmm. The universe is just made up of so much data, we can't possibly look at it all. Yeah. Um, but it also seemed to have this analogy to the way that our consciousness works on a perceptual level. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the same thing that your brain does anytime you are attending to anything. You are literally throwing out and ignoring the vast majority of the information available to you so that you can attend to something that needs attending to. Um, and it just got me thinking about the, the sort of narrative that arises out of choosing what you give your attention to. And we tend to think of science as something that exists sans narrative Mm. but this that made me think oh right there has to be a narrative Mm. you you can't you can't do anything without it it seems you can't even do science without it yeah that 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 was a 
I'm still pondering that. Well, I wonder the, all the different ways you can go with that. I mean, you know, even the scientific method, it's like you have to pick something to observe, which also means you're going to ignore a lot of other things. Right. And you're testing a specific thing at the expense of so much other data also. Now, I guess there's an accumulation factor, you know, that does that does come into that. That as you do that and accumulate, it's like all those things should start to uh, add to the narrative, mm-hmm. um, and then and you're, it's almost like you're you're even testing the narrative that you're telling yourself through the uh, through the scientific method too. It's like is the world flat? And it's like oh, and test that, and you just kind of see that that narrative is wrong, you know. Right. Um, so I think there's. Yeah, I guess the interesting thing about the uh, LHC is that there's an aspect to the kind of physics that it's testing Mm -hmm. that is, let's do something and see what happens, (laughs) you know, and Uh there are some, some things that they're setting out to try to specifically understand, but they're like smashing these particles together. And then there's this massive amount of information that they can observe, but they can't observe it all. They can't even take it all in. Mm -hmm. So they're having to sort of, was the analogy he used like you're in a you're in a, a massive forest and your job is to find the one elephant in the forest <laughs> like how do you even begin yeah totally <laughs> i guess uh, elephants aren't in forests it's more like a jungle mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that just blows my mind and that was another thing didn't he say like they also like it's they when they collide they actually there's there it's tiny black holes form I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I won't, I won't go into that one then. But I was just, but it's along the same lines as sort of, we're going to crash these, these, these particles. And it's like, what makes you think that something really bad wouldn't happen doing <laughs> right, that? You right. know, it's like, <laughs> uh, let's build this like multi billion dollar machine and, you know, Maybe and then just turn the it on, <laughs> see what <laughs> exactly. happens. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like a bunch of kids. It sounds like fun though. It makes <laughs> me wish I was a lot smarter. I, you know, it's like I wish yeah. I could. Have, I wish I could be like they showed that picture of them all cheering because there was a bump in a graph. You know, yeah, <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, it might have been in the talk on the Royal Society, but uh, uh, yeah, they found this little bump in the graph and. They were like, "Yeah, this is amazing." That's exactly like, what we're looking for, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, it's, and you and I would just look at it and go, uh, "Okay, well, I don't even know what I'm looking at." Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm looking at. Uh, but I also wonder. I also wondered, like, like so. I think there's like two thousand scientists there, or something like that, or seven hundred fifty scientists, and then two or three thousand like staff. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, just what each of those scientists and people there, like how they see what they're doing. Like, you know, that not all of them see the same thing and being able to work together in that, in that scenario. Hmm. Or maybe they are very like-minded. I don't know, but <laughs> it was very eloquent. I really appreciated his uh, communication style. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was very good. I, I mm-hmm. am interested to go listen to some of his lectures now. Yeah. Also, 
this has been a, a common theme at this stage in my life is I get, I listen to something like that and I get excited and I think I'm going to go <clears throat> learn particle physics. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but it's like, no, you're not, you're just going to, you know, <laughs> you don't have the bandwidth for that because I also like, I'm going to go learn about statistics. I'm going to go learn all of philosophy. I'm, you know, I'm just so like hungry for these things when they come near my, my brain that I just think, Oh, I can do that. I could, I could learn that. Yeah. It's like when you and I were uh, reading uh, Ian McGilchrist, both, uh, we were both wanting to be neuroscience scientists at right. that time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it does feel interesting. It does feel a bit like uh, there's like a, a um, like a childhood dream that's sort of being reenacted right now, which is sort of like shopping for who you want to be yeah. like shopping for what you want to do, which is mm -hmm. so cool. And maybe so unique to our, the specific place in time that we got dropped into this life yeah. in that <clears throat> we have access to all of the information for these things. Mm -hmm. Like we have, we don't have to go to a specific school to learn particle physics, all of that information is available for free online. And so whenever you think I'd like to know more about particle physics, you can just go Google that and mm -hmm. find it. And that's pretty incredible. And you have access to like some of the leading thinkers, if not the leading thinkers on these subjects in real time, in real time, you can follow yeah. their thoughts on Twitter or on their mm -hmm. blog or on, you know, yeah, that's, that's really incredible. It is. It's really invigorating. I wonder if it's just, to if it's what every time you say that word you cut out say it again oh that's funny distracting oh that worked <laughs> you oh, know, of course like, it is yeah yeah of, of course I'm distracted <laughs> all the time <laughs> uh, I, I think I justify this type of distraction as something that's more uh, uh, beneficial maybe I don't know but maybe it's just the same as looking at Facebooking for three hours. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't accept no. that. It can't be. It can't be the no. same as looking at no. Facebook. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. Yeah. But, but like, I kind of want... Oh, go ahead. You know, you... I, just, I was just curious. Like, uh, you and I a lot. We what? You know, we dabble a lot yeah, in yeah. things. And, and I kind of wonder, like, does that, like, does that hurt our hurt ourselves, you know, by not hyper-focusing on something specifically. Yeah. It's interesting. I wrote a, uh, I wrote a blog post about that like mm. 10 years ago when I tried, I, I started a blog very briefly and I, I wrote a post about that. I, I have often wondered, <laughs> asked myself that question. Like, yeah. is my, my, propensity is that the right word my yeah. my propensity to sort of be really interested in a lot of things and frankly like passably good enough at a lot of things where i could do a lot of things yeah. and i think I, so i was thinking specifically about music because you know i when i was in high school and, and then i went to music school in college i wanted to be a musician that's what i wanted to do and i am a musician i don't make my living that way uh never have. Um, and, and I wondered if maybe it was that I wasn't accomplishing my dream of being a musician because I was constantly doing other things. And I, I had heard this interview with Mike Campbell, who was a, who's the, was the lead guitar player for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And Tom Petty has always been kind of one of my musical 
fathers, I think I would say. Um, I could say idol, I guess, but I, I, I don't think it's the right word. Uh, is when he passed away a couple of years ago, a lot of my friends and I were talking about that and all agreed that he was sort of a musical father. Like he mm. taught us about the love of rock and roll. He taught us about the love of music and about how to write a good song. And uh, anyways, but so Mike Campbell just said, uh, you know, I'm so, I'm so thankful that it worked because this is all any of us knew how to do. Hmm. And if, if, you know, if it hadn't worked, if people didn't buy the records and, you know, we couldn't had, we wouldn't, if we couldn't have toured all of our lives, you know, I don't know what we would have done. Like we don't have any other skills. And I thought, what a blessing. Hmm. Because I think that I want to say anyone, but maybe I'll just say most people given enough time focusing on one thing can become proficient and maybe even master it. Mm -hmm. And I think I've spent so much time, you know, I was, I moved here to Austin and I was trying to write and release records and kickstart a music career. But I was also, I also started like five companies at the same time. (laughs) Like I was all over the place Mm -hmm. and I sort of was bemoaning that idea and wondering if that was hurting me somehow. That was a long response to your question. Yeah. Well, would you, would you, would you do it differently? Well, I don't know that I can. Yeah. You know, given my maybe personality or I, I, you know, I don't know what, what it is that makes me want to dabble in so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but that desire is there. I can't exactly ignore it. Sometimes I've wondered if I could, if I could say, I'm going to do this and I'm focused on this for five years and see Mm -hmm. what comes of it. Yeah. Um, But I think maybe the opportunity for that is somewhat lost in my younger years where responsibility was less and negative outcomes were less impactful. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's. Uh, I mean, I think we both are very similar in that. Like, I've always felt like I've, I'm really good at a lot of things, but master of nothing. And that's always been. I, I kind of like, <clears throat> almost like that's kind of like a. Uh, I've kind of really accepted that to some degree. Like, and I kind of enjoy that too, hmm. because I, I find that, and I see that I see you do this too. Is like whenever you and I get in a conversation with somebody that is a specialist. I find that we're both very like, like just drill into them. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, thing. All right, here you go. We're coming at you. <laughs> Give us all your knowledge. Give us. It's just like suck them dry. You know, yeah. they leave like. <laughs> 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 but I love, I love, I love list. I mean, I really do. Like, it's just. Uh, you know, there's something I admire about specialists. Yeah. You know that. And I, I, I think I've come more to terms that I don't want to be a specialist. I mm. really want to know a lot about a lot of things. Um, yeah, so I, like I'm okay with that. Although I do, I feel like I do get the miss. I miss out on that that mastery aspect. Mm. Do you, I mean, I think we might have certain areas that we do experience that a little bit in. Because I think you do that in music. Like you have a certain amount of mastery mm. in that subject. And probably even encoding, you know? Yeah, I think encoding maybe even more than music because I I just do it 
so often or I had done it for so, so often for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I notice when I'm talking to newer developers that I really do have a depth of knowledge, a specialized depth of knowledge there. I'm just mm-hmm. a little bummed that it's there. Like I would rather have <laughs> that specialized depth of knowledge somewhere else, but In you know, physics. Here, yeah, here we are. Uh-huh. You know, you want to talk about JavaScript, I can talk about it. <laughs> But it's interesting, but it gets you somewhere because I, I, I find the same way with business. You know, I've had to learn and grow in that area. I've made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot of lessons in mm-hmm. that area. Um, but again, the same idea is when I talk to younger business people, it's like I find myself in more of a mastery area, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that's, that's not my, like, that's not my passion, you know? If, if that makes sense, you know, business is not my main passion. I like learning lots of different things is my passion. How, but business, I get to do that. I kind of get to do that through. Yeah. So, so business kind of ends up being something I ended up being good at, but it's be- more because like, you know, I love coffee. I love people. I love mm. how systems work. I like how to figure out how together and what person does best at this thing, you know, and, and, for that to happen, you have to have a business that you know doesn't run the, out of money. The, yeah, yeah, you have to have a you have to have a business that all those things can exist in because you remove the context and they don't get to exist. Exactly. <laughs> Which kind of makes me think about the field, like the ripple in oh, the field. Like, wow. I mean, I think when I think about programming, um, mm-hmm. you know. I, I have some passion for it. I don't think like if you asked me to list my top five passions, I probably wouldn't put it in there, but Mm -hmm. it is sort of the thing that has enabled all of the other things that I am passionate about. And, you know, to the extent that I've done music or been successful in music, it's only been because I have this other skill that has enabled me to do that Mm. as I have also been, you know, raising a family. Um, because it's almost impossible to do music unless you happen to sort of get big and that becomes a income source and raise a family at the same time. So to have yeah. this, this thing that enables me to have a job that, you know, pays, pays decently has held that together. And even like, I would say like, I, I am probably an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. And the programming thing has enabled me to like start a bunch of really cool things that I was passionate mm-hmm. about. It's sort of the field that all this stuff is able to exist in. And you take away this one little thing and all yeah. the other things collapse. <clears throat> ah, isn't that fascinating? Like, ah, dude, I don't know if we think I can go there, but just the idea <laughs> of like entrepreneurship and you know how it creates these creative spaces, you know, it's like, but if you take the entrepreneurial spirit away, would you have these amazing things? You know, uh, <clears throat> so I was, I was listening to another one. Uh, I think it was I think it was Eric Weinstein was was um, uh, interviewing this uh, bio. Oh shoot! Talking about gene gene. Uh, <clears throat> was it when you change people's genes? Uh, oh shoot! This word not gene F- therapy. F- Gene therapy and um, eugenics, I guess. Is that is that the right word? <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's eugenics. But the idea of like like being able to craft your children into something that 
you that you want to be able to choose the genes for them, like tall or right or you know, or you could identify like, oh, this person has a has a uh, a musical genius to them that uh, that you could then identify them and give them all the things they need to be able to succeed at that. But the question I kept going through my mind, I think they also brought this up in the podcast was can somebody be truly great at something without the struggle and without the suffering? Man. I, Cause ev- everyone who's everyone who's great or right. amazing in some area, it came through some sort of harsh. I mean, Elon Musk, for example, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been looking at him a lot lately it just it it doesn't seem like that is a, that's a possibility. Like almost like was it Gattaca where they engineer people and they can tell by your genes whether you're going to be one thing or another. Um, anyway, the, the scientist he was talking to also said like you don't want somebody in space or operating in this one place if they don't have the capabilities or IQ or whatever it might be to handle that situation. Right. And Gattaca just kept coming to my mind in that in that space. Well, know? that's really interesting. Is I remember when I first heard about Elon Musk's um, concept of Neuralink, which yeah. is his his idea that we're all essentially cyborgs already. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, like this device that we carry in our pocket every day is an extension of us. Without it, we don't have access to information that is integral to us. Oh, interesting. The problem is that we have a bandwidth issue getting information oh, off yeah. of our devices. And so he wants to essentially put little fibers into your brain and establish a data link between your brain and your phone, essentially, or a computer or whatever, right? It's so scary. Well, and so then I, you know, so that obviously the first sort of imagery that comes to mind is like Neo in the Matrix downloading yeah. jujitsu. Oh, now that's badass. Right. But then I thought, you know what? No, it doesn't. I don't think it would work because like you said, like going through the process of learning something which requires patience, suffering and time is a part of the knowledge of having it. And if you just downloaded the information, would you actually have the same thing as a person who experienced it? Yeah. And I don't think that you would. I don't think that, knowledge and memory and and consciousness can be encoded and transferred. Like it seems, it seems wrong somehow. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's a, that's a really interesting experiment to that. We certainly will ultimately run. Well, I think that's a deep, deep hole that I came in scratch because, you know, Roger Penrose gets into that with computation. You know, it's like, you know, and that's uh, we can't really go into that, but um, but the, this guy made a good, interesting point. He's like, "What is the world going to be like in a hundred years or five hundred years?" <clears throat> you know, Elon Musk is already thinking about this Neuralink thing. Mm-hmm. It's like these are going to be these are going to be decisions and things that our kids have to make decisions about. Right? Am I going to get this thing? Am I going to? engineer my children i mean it might not be our kids but it'll be definitely like our kids kids well yeah and like here's another interesting question about that so the idea of engineering a kid engineering mm-hmm. a person so like mm-hmm. you know a parent says i want my son to be a particle physicist and yeah. so i'm going to engineer 
I'm going to, I'm going to edit his genes so that he has the traits that I think we think are good for that. So then the kid comes out and he's super good at particle physics, but doesn't give a shit. Like, can you engineer that part? Can you engineer (laughs) giving a shit? Yeah. (laughs) That gene. (laughs) Right. Is there a gene for giving a shit? Like what if he doesn't like it? What if he's like Uh super good at particle physics and doesn't like it or super good at music and just doesn't like it? Cause there are people like that, Mm -hmm. you know, like one of my best friends in high school was, was valedictorian until the last semester of high school and just stopped, just stopped doing his schoolwork. Cause he was like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Wow. And, you know, I think he graduated like number three or something like the last <laughs> semester because, you know, he opened that window for somebody to come and surpass him. But, you know, he made uh, like a, I think he made a 1500 on his SAT or something insane and he just never yeah. cared. It's like he had this mental gift and didn't care. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then if you engineer the kid to be good at something and, he, and the kid doesn't want to do the thing he's good at, then what's the ethical dilemma there? Like, do you, yeah. are you mad at that kid for not being good at, or for not wanting to do the thing he's good at? Yeah. And you invested in that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really messed up, I think. <laughs> it's messed up. <laughs> what, the idea of engineering a kid? Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I think it's hard. It's, I think that's the other part, too, is coming from, Again, you and I come from the era of, you know, dial up internet, like just the beginning of. So it's like a lot of the things that we might consider crazy or, you know, mm-hmm. that our kids and our kids' kids won't. Right. And I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, you know? Well, it's a uh, normal thing. I mean, yeah. you know, the, every generation goes through that. Like I remember when call waiting first came out and my dad thought it was the craziest thing and the most rude thing that you could ever do to be on the mm-hmm. phone with somebody and say, can you hold while yeah. I answer the other line or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but now that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or texting. I remember that I was like, man, that's so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's like a main mode of, uh, it's a primary of mode of communication. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to think of like the world in a hundred years from now. Like, what is that going to look like? You know, there's a lot of like talk <laughs> about getting off the planet. You know, that, right, that kind of right. stuff. I know you're trying to make a more profound point, but I'm just like, <laughs> I don't think we know know what the world's going to look like next week at yeah. this point. Like, <laughs> totally. I take comfort in thinking hundreds of years, not next week, man. <laughs> yeah, you won't even be around. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a trip. That is a trip. Um, <clears throat> but coming back to like the thing, the idea of like specialist and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there was something in that that I was like, when, I, when you were talking about it, I wanted to come back to the soil part too, because <clears throat> there was a connection there that I can't grab right now. <laughs> well, that does make me think, I mean, you know, you say, well, I'm not really, I never really wanted to be a business person, but it's enabled all the things I'm passionate about. And I say, Mm -hmm. I never wanted to be a programmer, but it's enabled so many things that I've been passionate about. Yeah. It does seem like those sorts of things are the field. We use the word field earlier. So it's sort of relating to the, the particle physics idea, but 
you know, that could be sort of the soil that all these things grow out of. Mm-hmm. And if you sort of stra- extrapolate another layer and you say, well, I'm not a specialist, but you have all of these things mm-hmm. that become a new sort of field or a new sort of set of soil. And you imagine, well, what will grow out of that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and does some specialty emerge, which, which yeah. was not an available specialty when you were a kid and thinking about the things that you wanted to do. You know, totally. it was easy enough for Mike Campbell to wake up at 14 and be like, I want to play guitar. And that's what I want to spend all my time doing because it was an available thing to be done. But mm-hmm. we also live in a world where most of the things that people are going to be doing moving forward have not been available things to do for very long. And mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't even available now, aren't even imaginable now. Yeah. So what sort of, what sort of soil is your life turning out to be and what will grow out of that? Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting thought. Yeah. You know, and I think we've been sort of seeing that in a lot of the intellectuals that we've been following and talking about and, and, and honestly sort of uh, kind of like lusting over. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word. It's definitely yeah, idolizing maybe. Yeah, maybe idolizing, mm-hmm. but like thinking, man, I want to be like that person. Yeah. And then we sort of notice that most of these people fall into this age group range of sort of mid to late 50s. Mm. And I don't think that any of them would have known 10 years ago that they were going to become public figures famous for their podcast or their YouTube Mm -hmm. channel. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, because 10 years ago, those weren't available things to be doing. They didn't exist. Yeah. Well, maybe longer than 10 years. I think YouTube started in 2006. Yeah. But still, it's not very much time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they were in their 40s at that time. And, yeah. you know, you and I are just barely there. Mm-hmm. So all of these Which things that so were crazy, that we're gathering and talking about and dabbling in, like what mm-hmm. what will kind of rock it out of that at some point? Well, that's the thing that's like me is like <clears throat> there's there's so many things I would like to get into or specialize in more. But then I think about how limiting that would be, you know, for, for instance, like, like I always thought about like, wow, I could really go get a job with somebody and probably make a lot more money than I'm making, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, but then I would have to like obey their rules and, <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, it's like, but at the same time, I think I would, I would make a really great right hand type person, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, because like, I know what it's like to need somebody to kind of like have your back, you know? Yeah. I always, I always kind of had this dream of like, I would love to be in a high government position and not be the guy out front, but to be the guy who has the other person's back, you know? Like, but then vice president, vice president or like, you know, secretary of state or something like that. That's like kind of like behind the scenes more, you know? And, and, like I love that idea. Like that sounds like awesome. But then like how limiting that could be. Like yeah. to, to be the person out front, it's like you 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 have to like there's just so much more uh and it's something I've had to learn with Medici too, is like like I, I can't just be in my head all the time. I have to really 
be engaging with other people. And, you know, it's like, and that's hard. It's hard to do, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I could try to make, I could probably could make the argument that the being, being the out front person is maybe even more limiting than being the behind the scenes person. Exactly. I think so. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's a lot more limiting. I okay, like okay. I like the idea of of the behind the scenes person because you right. can you have a lot more latitude, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is probably the way I run my business a little. I'm kind of a little bit more behind the scenes than because uh, you see the charismatic business owners, you know that their brand is themselves, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and I've always very I've always leaned away from like. The brand is not Michael and Allison. <laughs> Gary you know? Vee comes to mind with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, he's very motivating, though. Oh, very he's got motivating. Some good stuff. Yeah, he, I really am fascinated with that with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary V is who we're talking about. Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a, a just a fat. I started following because he was just such a curiosity to me. But mm-hmm. he's really turned into. Um, I don't know. I his way of thinking and his message is really powerful mm-hmm. and incredibly positive um, yeah. and about love and kindness primarily, which mm-hmm. is interesting because he's like sort of an uber successful CEO kind of person. Yeah. Well, he's got the, that message of accountability, like want something, well, doing about it. Yeah. You know, you're going to get zero, uh, res- if you put zero effort, yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's not going to just gonna come to you. Uh, I was watching a thing today. What he was one of his posts, and he was like, "Some people think I'm like I'm like proposing people to be work all workaholics." Yeah, it's like no, that's not the thing. It's like I want people to love what they do. Mm-hmm. But if you love something, you got to put time into it. Well, if you love it, you're going to put time into it. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I felt I felt pretty convicted because there was a, I think I had sent you a post of his to, and some guys were asking them how to sort of like start a podcast and grow a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's given this advice to so many people, but he's like, you know, first of all, first thing you've got to put you got to make quality content. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not making quality content, nothing matters. But making quality yeah. content isn't enough. He's like, it's audacious that you would just make quality content and expect anybody to give a crap like yeah to just follow you no mm-hmm. he's like make quality content and then spend he was said something like 14 hours a day <laughs> direct messaging people whom you think might be interested in it and sending it to them yeah and that is exactly <sighs> what you have to do yeah and i learned that lesson actually and i'm i well i've known the lesson for a long time i don't live by it no because i it grates on something in my personality to do it. But I remember when I first got to music school, um, one of my best friends who's still one of my best friends, he and I got there together and he was very charismatic and outgoing about the Mm -hmm. fact that he was there to play guitar. And if there was a good singer, a good songwriter, he would immediately say to them, I want to play guitar for you. Let me know when you need somebody. He's now played at the Grammys, the Country Music Awards, on all the late night shows. He's making his living doing this. I never got any gigs <laughs> because I never asked for any gigs. Yeah. You know, and there's this idea that, well, it's really a encapsulated best. I keep thinking about it in, in the, the biblical idea that seek and you, sh- you shall find, ask and it shall be given to you. 
Oh yeah. Like <clears throat> I'm thinking about that less as a as a interaction with God and more as an interaction with life and what I want, which is maybe actually I'm I'm splitting hairs by making the distinction. I'm I'm not sure. We could probably dive into that further, but yeah. Um, you know, if you want people to listen to your podcast, you have to ask them to listen to your podcast. That's <laughs> that's how that works. Oh, damn it. Like check this out. So like we we sent this uh email marketing thing out on our square thing and we're trying to build our subscription and our all this stuff uh for our online wholesale stuff. And I, we send out this thing on a square. I hate marketing stuff. Drives me crazy. And this, this just in the two hours, we got like 30, 30 hits of people buying coffee from us. Right. And I was like, oh, that's right. Like, like people, there's there's people out there that want to consume your content, but if they don't know about it, they can't. Right. You assume Someone that me, if you make an Instagram post, then everybody knows. Yeah, and that's not how it works. Uh, uh-uh. but the thing is, you have to put your if if you have something that you think you have something that people need or want, if you don't put it in front of them, they're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. And and it's like the same thing with me. I mean, I hate ads, but you know, ever so often there's these ads. You know, like right now I'm looking at this GoPro uh, battery pack. And obviously there's all these logarithms that, you know, start feeding you these things. And I'm like, oh, that's what I want. <laughs> but it's like, I didn't know where it was until it showed up on my screen. Right. And I was like, that's the thing I was looking for. Right. And I just, I mean, how many of those things are there out there? Like, you know, I mean, not that we're, yeah, everybody should listen to us. But like, you know, <laughs> maybe there are somebody that would like really enjoy this podcast. Right. And like, if they don't know. But how would it, they know? Yeah. You know, they, I think there's a there's a, a dangerously false and probably arrogant idea that if the if the content that you're making is good enough, it will spread organically without you having to do anything. Mm-hmm. And well, I used the two words. I think that's dangerous and arrogant. Yeah. And I think that the proper humble position is to make something you think's good and then go tell people about it. Because if you think it's good then yeah. why wouldn't you tell people about it? Like mm-hmm. it's arrogant not to, yeah. I think. So, so to go seek people out and say, Hey, I made this thing and I want to share it with you. Mm-hmm. That's powerful because now there's a relationship with that person. I mean, if anybody comes to you, if anybody comes to me, any, any person at all and says, I want you to see this. I yeah. think it's good. I want you to see that. I'm going to feel loved and interested and I'm mm-hmm. going to go look at it. Yeah. And then maybe I don't like it, mm-hmm. but maybe I do. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way to grow something. And I have been struggling with applying this, this, um, wisdom to my own life forever <laughs> with my music, uh-huh. with, uh-huh. you know, every creative endeavor I've ever done, every business I've ever started with, I feel convicted all the time about our podcast and about, how I mm. know that I could be doing more, yeah, dude, but I'm yeah. not. Uh-huh. So I, I would love to commit to you <laughs> <laughs> that I here. want to do more. <laughs> well, you know, last episode I made a bunch of notes about, um, well, I made a bunch of notes about sort of like ways that I could pull out 
content from that episode that I thought other people would like and turn those into posts and mm-hmm. make those posts and send them to people that I thought might appreciate them. And I haven't yeah. done it. Well, it's also a consistency. Cause you remember like for, I think, it, I think like it was, it was two or maybe even three weeks that I was making those video clips for our, uh, um, for our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we got a lot more views consistently throughout the week when I was doing that, but it did, but I didn't, it wasn't consistent. Like I didn't, I, I stopped doing it, you know? Yeah. And it's consistency like, so is key. Well, that's the, that's another lesson that I think Gary V, uh, illustrates perfectly yeah. is he posts constantly. And yeah. because I was initially curious, I followed and I always know, I don't ever have to go seek out Gary Vee. He's always mm-hmm. coming to me. Mm. I know, if I think about him, you know, we're having this conversation, I don't have to make a mental note in my mind to like, oh yeah, I want to go back and look at his content again. Yeah. Because it will come back to me. And that's mm-hmm. like the consistency there makes me a fan. True. Whereas if he stopped posting consistently, I might forget about him or I might remember him and then think, I want to go back and look at some of that stuff again and then forget about that. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to be, well, this, this ties into the idea that there is far too much information for you to even begin to see it all. So you have got to start with a subset. Mm-hmm. You got to ignore all the rest and start with a subset and then deal with that. I mean, yeah. it's true of our, uh, of, the human conscious human consciousness. It's true of attention. It's even true of science in the way that we deal with data. We've already, we've been through these things. Um, so the consistency is what arises. It's, it's what rises through those gates that we necessarily mm-hmm. have to have. Yeah. Damn, I feel like when you end the podcast and just start doing something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> how to grow a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not into like in fine. I'm just like, I, I, right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, there's so many things I'm like, oh gosh, I got to do that. I got to do this. Right, right. No, I, I love that idea. I mean, it, it is motivating to think about and 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 how I almost got to do a disservice to the things that I've invested in mm. by not. And almost it is kind of audacious to just to think people will consume whatever it is that I produce, whether right. it be coffee or a podcast or, um, you know, our <laughs> online stuff. Well, that's or, pretty you know, awesome. It is. Yeah, it's like the only reason they're not consuming it is they just don't know it's there to be consumed. Yeah. Which, damn, that's a deep, profound axiom that is probably biblical. <laughs> yeah which is why seek and you shall find uh-huh yeah i wonder if that's like something that's like just really woven into the fabric you know it's like you know i mean it's it's been in it's been in mankind's you know there we're always looking for something mm-hmm. whether it be a new world a better situation uh you know, more money. It's like, there's something that we're always yearning for something more. And you, we, you can always see where that it gets misplaced and, and negative things come from that. Mm-hmm. But then there's, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean just the yearning for more is, is bad, you know, <clears throat> the yearning for something else. 
like well, even I knowledge think the yearning and stuff for, is the yearning for more is woven into the fabric. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a there's an evolutionary aspect almost. To that. It's like right. throughout 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 our history, it's it's we're trying to understand the world we we live in and the context that we. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's really interesting to me because you know you and I usually have a conversation before we start the podcast before we start recording and just kind of catch up and get into the same mm -hmm. mind space and try to figure out what we're going to talk about or how we're going to kick it off. And both of us, I think we're feeling dubious about the effort tonight and like, uh. like everything was too <laughs> scattered and we were too, uh, um, uh, mind numb to actually have a conversation worthy of other people listening to it. Yeah, totally. And we've been in that space before and generally what we've done is said, well, so should we just hit record and see what happens? Mm -hmm. And then here we are, it's been, we're, we're come, we're, we're at our hour mark and we've had this excellent conversation, which seems mm -hmm. to be the same theme that ask and you shall receive, mm -hmm. <laughs> sit down and engage it and it will come. Maybe it's build it and they will come. You know, it's yeah. the it's the field of dreams <clears throat> is the recapitulation of the seek and you shall find yeah. idea. And it's kind of mind blowing how powerful and consistently that turns out to be true. Yeah. So if there's something that you want in your life, sit down and engage it. You do. You almost have to fumble through it, mm -hmm. and that's and that's part of the of the process. You know, it's like you start to define your terms or realize the things you don't know, and I think that's just such a that's such a powerful, powerful thing, especially when you do it with somebody too. You know, it's like you know, with you and with Allison specifically. You know, even with my team at Medici, it's like we sit down, we lay out all the stuff. And then we just start going and then mm -hmm. all these things start to emerge yeah. from that, you know, and, and, but if you don't engage it, nothing will emerge. And I think that's the, right. I don't it, know if we have time to get into this part, but it's like this week's been really profound, profoundly hitting me that suffering is a huge part of our existence and how much we need it. And mm -hmm. we have to accept it. Yeah, like that's I, just I I just can't get around it. Like that's something that's just been, like, like even when we're talking about like, we didn't know what we were gonna do, you know, but we're just going to engage it, you know. And that's, I think there's a lot about that in you know homeschooling what we're doing right now. It's like, um, you know, business. You know, I, I was writing out this year plan for us and I just didn't know how to engage it. But then as I was putting things down, it started to unfold before me as like yeah. at least a, a plan. Now, whether what happens from that, at least gives me a, a framework to work around, you know, right. um, a framework with, with which to engage it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I have been stumbling around this idea that suffering is at the core 
of our existence. Mm -hmm. Like in a really fundamental way. And I think that that is a very scary statement to say and to hear, but I don't mean it that way. No. And, and maybe that's what we don't have time to really dive into on this episode. Um, but I would love to do that. I'd love to, I'd love to, I kind of, I just kind of made a note to myself that that would be interesting to talk about because I've had some negative reactions when I've expressed that idea to that idea to other people, but I actually feel it is a very edifying idea. Yes. So, yeah, like it's a good thing. Yes. Like that's, it's a, it's a positive. Yeah. Instead of a negative. Right. There you go. There we go. <laughs> well, you know, I think we went to the shore. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love that the, the imagery of the shores. I know it's like, it's our podcast and we named it that, but like, I still just love the imagery of the shores. Like yeah. looking out on the sea of chaos, you have this Island of knowledge behind you mm-hmm. and you're contending with these things. And I, I think that's just such a great analogy. I love it too. I, I, I feel like there's a, like a really great, there's some great, it's such a, it's such great imagery. And I feel like there's a really great illustration of that imagery that, that could be drawn or painted or something. If there's any, um, illustrators, designers, painters, artists out there that are listening to this, that could do Sculptors. something with that. Sculpt it. <laughs> hey, sculpt it, you know, yeah, yeah. um, that would be awesome. That would be cool. Uh, one of these days where we have like, a, we can do a contest or something like that. That'd be badass. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to first start by asking people to listen to our podcast. Totally. <laughs> All right. We're putting some things in action here. All right. I'm down. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Y'all keep it together. Ask for something that you want and then engage it. Ooh, damn. There you go. Signing <laughs> off. All right. Much love, love to you. Shores of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Plug. Sure. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. <laughs>